Prince Winston Churchill said, if you, if you end up in hell, just keep going. And it's, it's basically what it is to be an entrepreneur and to have that many experiences with companies, because the, the only point of those is that you're learning through them. It's not that you're going to make a million or a billion on everything that you do. Welcome to the Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. I'm your host, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today, we welcome Damien Lupo, founder of the EQRP company, holder of four black belts, founder of Yokido, a martial arts which ties together threads of yoga, Reiki, and Aikido, and author of over one dozen books, and determined to free one million from financial bondage. Welcome, Damien. Hey, George. Good to be with you, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And before we get into the EQRP, which I think is what everybody is excited for as the main event, you are a serial entrepreneur, and I understand that you've started over 50 businesses. So can you give us some highlights and some lessons learned? You, you made me sound or feel like Conor McGregor for a second. Like the main event is this thing. And I was like, wow, that's like what happens with Conor at UFC at 11 o'clock Eastern. But anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, this the, the background so much like Connor, you just spend a lot of time bleeding and and stubbing your toe when you when when you do something like I did, which is found more than fifty companies and then build those things. And a lot of those crash and burn. It's like going to a fight. You end up a lot of those are losses because that's how you learn. You you bleed. You stub your toes. And and that that's what I was called to do. Anybody that's ever gone to a, a place of of big success or uh, big accolades where people know you has gone through probably a bit of hell. And kept going. I think that's somebody famous, Winston Churchill said, "If you if you end up in hell, just keep going." And it's it's basically what it is to be an entrepreneur and to have that many experiences with companies because the the only point of those is that you're learning through them. It's not that you're going to make a million or a billion on everything that you do. It's that you truly learn something deep and not the same thing. I think that's one of the biggest lessons is not learning the same thing. Otherwise, it's Groundhog Day, which is what most people have twenty years later. They have one year over and over again. And my job is to find something new, learn from it, grow, and then get to a new place the next go round. I love it. So it's all about the stick to Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there, it, it's really, I, I think there's just a, a lot that a lot of joy that can be gained that people miss out on when they're afraid of, of, of failing or, or not getting something right. We're, we're taught that as kids in our system. And, and unfortunately, whether it's the Olympics or whether it's business, you have to be willing to go through the pain of discovery, which is discovering what you don't know. And in, in the beginning, we don't know anything, which is funny because when we're young, we think we know more. And now I feel like I know less than I knew 20 years ago, but that's part of the journey. Touche. So let's start with the uh, solo 401k. A lot of people see this as something great. It is a wonderful thing. And uh, I, it's been described as you know the sweet spot if you can get there, right? If, if the solo 401k works for you. Let's talk about that, and then maybe you can talk about some of the enhancements that you have as the EQRP. Yeah, so there, it's, what we're talking about, we're talking about tax shelters using the tax code for retirement accounts. And there's something that came out a number of years ago, and it wasn't anything new. The 401ks have been around for 50 years, came out in 1973 with ERISA. And when people started figuring out ways, when laws got changed, it, it started to become something where you could do a 401k by yourself. You didn't need a big company. And so that was really appealing because you could start putting a lot more money than an IRA, more than say five or six thousand dollars a year. And what what I started realizing years ago, 
and I wrote the, the QRP book that you've read, I uh, read, wrote it a dozen years or 10 years ago. And, and what, what I realized was that there was this huge missing gap that people didn't know about because with a solo 401k, there's limits. For example, the laws have changed now to where a solo 401k uh, does not allow you to even have a part-time help. You know, you can't have somebody for 10 hours a week that works for you. You're literally stuck being small. And that's a, that's a big problem if you're thinking about growing because you can't do everything yourself. And I know some people think they can. I did for many years. And as an owner and a founder of more than 50 companies, I can tell you, you will always be small if you try to do it by yourself, even with the idea of, of contractors. And there's, there's just, there's something valuable to building a team internally. And, and so a solo versus an EQRP, one of the great things is with an EQRP, everybody gets control of all their assets, meaning you can actually invest in real estate, crypto, gold, and you can have everybody involved, meaning your employees, your team members, part-time, full-time. And so that, that was a major, that's a major shift and in, in how they're built and what it is. It's not just a, as some of the, the uh, characters out there would say, oh, it's a fancy snappy marketing term. It's really not, it's a different product. Fair enough to say, and I think that there's at least uh, two ways that you have improved it. Uh, the one would be the trust documents. Now, help me understand. Now, solo 401k, that is a non-ERISA uh, QRP, correct? Yeah. So, and for those of you that don't know what ERISA is, it was the Employee Retirement uh, Security Act back in the 70s that created IRAs, 401ks. It was shifting the the, the burden from companies to basically fund pensions over to the employees. And it's what created all these things to take the burden off the companies, put them on the, on the people. And, and so, yeah, when, when these, when this was set up, ERISA made 401ks and pensions bulletproof. So if a company set up a retirement account and an individual that owned a 401k got sued, you, you were never going to be able to touch that money. Unfortunately, what most people don't realize is that these individual 401ks, like most people have, and what we call and many people call the solo 401ks or solo Ks don't have the same ERISA protections. So you're potentially subject in places like California to having almost no liability protection, which means if you get into a car accident or something, your 401k could actually get taken uh, in, a, in a judgment if you lost. And then maybe in a more general sense, uh, all of these QRPs, they have, uh, the money is held in trust. And so how those trust documents are set up, I understand is very important in uh, perhaps maintaining or possibly even replacing some of those protections that you might've had with uh, an ERISA uh, 401 at a major employer. Yeah, the way that the docs are, are, are built is unique to every, every company that sets up retirement accounts and how they're built uh, really does determine whether or not you have liability and whether the plans are set up, whether they're, they're safe harbor setups or just how they're, how they're built. They're, everybody does things different. Every plan has to have approval from the IRS if it's gonna be live, um, that's, that's part of the deal. And, and so it's, it really is a question of how deep did a company go or did they just carbon copy, photocopy some documents from somebody else, which I know some, some people have done. You, you wanna make sure that when you're looking at these options, you've got all the protections and you've got all the flexibility. That's the name of the game, control and, and options and protection. Right. And then, yeah, options that you hit on my next question there, which is that uh, a lot of times when people go out looking for a plan, you know, they, they realize or they may realize much later that the person they're dealing with or the company they're dealing with uh, is not a custodian. So you are actually a custodian, as I understand, and you're offering more options, things that you might not have uh, if you go somewhere else looking for some uh, ostensibly similar program. 
Well, there, the, what you're bringing up is a really good question. It's something to, for people to think about. When, when you have 401ks, IRAs, there are trustees, administrators, custodians, there are different parties involved. Sometimes you can be all the parties and it, it really depends on whether you're by yourself. An IRA always will always have other people involved. It's gonna have a custodian. Uh, with 401ks, there's trustees and, and administrators and you could potentially be those or you could have outsourced people doing those. We, we provide the services for all the pieces or we let somebody else be all the pieces. So it's very flexible in how people are controlling things. Some people, and, and not just because they're reckless, but some people are so busy, they actually would, would really be benefit, they would benefit from having somebody else looking over their shoulder. So in some cases, it's actually more appropriate to have a custodian or somebody else doing the, the oversight than somebody doing it themselves. Right. And then uh, what about advice? If you go to the EQRP company, are you giving people advice what to invest in, or are you just giving them the vehicle so that they can make these investments? So when people come to us and they ask, okay, what should I invest in? We say, well, here's what you can invest in. And here's some great resources to learn about it. We're, we're not set up to take somebody's money and tell them they're too stupid. That's Wall Street's job. Our, our job is to give people the tool and, and support them on that journey. And, and so if they say, well, I'd like to invest in real estate, we're not going to tell somebody if it's good or bad or they should or shouldn't. We're going to say you can or can't do this based on what you're doing, how you're structuring it. And, and ultimately, it's an education company. So we give people the tools, we educate them. But we're not we're not taking control of their that the whole point is giving people control and and breaking their shackles, not just giving them a new pair of handcuffs. Right. And I think it's also fair to say that the IRS, they don't tell you what you can invest in. There's just a few things that you can't invest in. You want to list those for our listeners. Yeah, typically it's it's mostly about the people you're investing in or with and and the parties. And basically what they're saying is you can't do collectibles. You can't do collectibles or anything that you're going to use. So you can't take your IRA or 401k and go invest in a house that you're going to move into or you're going to spend the summers at. Although you could buy a lake house that you wanted to retire into, use it as an investment for the next 10 or 15 years, and then distribute it to yourself. So there are ways to use things. You could People say, well, I want to flip cars. I'm like, well, you can't flip cars directly, but you could invest in, in shares of a company that owned a car flipping business. So there are, there are ways to do it. And this is where strategizing with with a company and we do a lot of strategy really figuring out how to set things up because i think it's very easy it's like what a lot of attorneys do they'll just they know how to say no because it's the fastest way to keep everybody out of trouble just don't do anything nothing bad will happen and, and we we do the opposite we, we actually ask well how might we be able to do this and figure out if there's a way to stay in compliance with what the, the client wants to do i love it and then how about let's bring up 1031 exchanges that's one of the great ways that people avoid taxes now, is, is that even necessary if you got an EQRP? Well, the, the great thing about the EQRP is that 1031s become a very moot point. They're, they're totally irrelevant. And the 1031 is, is relevant if you're buying real estate and you're going to move, you're going to sell real estate and then buy some other real estate, and you're going to do it within that six-month period. It, the, the problem is if you say, well, I actually don't know what I'm going to buy, or it might take a year, then you're, you either force yourself to do something or you pay taxes, meaning you force yourself to buy a, a bad deal. And I saw a lot of people doing this with houses that I owned Back in 2004 and five, people were so afraid of paying capital gains tax. They were buying my stuff. This is before the market crashed. They were buying my stuff at way overinflated numbers just to avoid the capital gains. So an EQRP means you can buy and sell. You can keep it in cash. You can move from real estate to gold to crypto. And so you don't have that option when you do a 1031. It has to be in the same, the same asset class, has to be exchanged. And so this really, it, not only... Are you avoiding taxes temporarily? But if you use a Roth, which everybody should have a Roth, and I very rarely say this, that you should have anything, because I feel like when people say should, they're shooting all over themselves and their friends, which is no, nobody likes that. The, the reality, though, is Roth 
I mean, you saw what Peter Thiel did. He took $2,000, turned it into $5 billion in, in less than 20 years. And the Roth component of retirement accounts is where you go to no tax forever. So that's something that everybody should be using and, and really finding ways to use more of. So that dovetails my next question. Is there anybody that shouldn't get an EQRP? Yeah, the, the people that shouldn't do it are the ones that, that think if they have control of their money, that, that the best thing is to go buy a Ferrari. I mean, I know from personal experience, buying a Ferrari when I was in my 20s, how much fun and stupid that is. And so there are people that are just too reckless. And quite frankly, if you're reckless or if you're a victim, we, we have a pretty hard barriers and boundaries around victims, people that are justifying and blaming whoever. It's a self-responsible company and tribe. And people that are not self-responsible should not do this. And people that are whiners, complainers, and pointers, I've had people come in and they're so nervous about making a mistake or they, I can tell they just want to blame the government or you know, the Republicans or the Democrats or, or Wall Street. And I was like, yeah, you're just not a good fit because this is about owning your life and owning your future and designing it, not, not blaming somebody for what happened to you. Great. And then suppose you have somebody who comes to you and says, hey, look, all my money is tied up already in Roth IRAs. You know, can I roll that into a QRP? Is that something you can do? There are ways to, to move money out of a Roth IRA and then be able to access that and put it back, put it into an EQRP. So it's, it's not a direct rollover because you can't do a direct rollover. There are some indirect ways to do it. And so money can get into an EQRP, even if it's a Roth IRA money. And so that's, we work those strategies on a case by case, but that's, that's a, um, that's usually one of those things where somebody says I'm stuck. And the, the truth is you're not stuck. You just haven't had the right team taking you through that strategy. Great. And then how about one last objection? Oh my God, the fees. Uh, isn't there, uh, aren't, or I should say, aren't there some uh, tax benefits that you can use then to offset these fees? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's fees and, and here, here's what I say with fees, but we've, we've gotten into a place where people expect everything to be free. And, and I love the Facebook example because it's free, except you're the product. And so when you, you get, you get what you pay for and paying an appropriate fee for anything makes sense if you actually know what the exchange is. What, what people tend to do is they go, oh, look, something's free. Like, I'll give you an example. You can get a free IRA or a free solo 401k at Schwab, and you get what you pay for. And so sometimes people have those, and then they come to us and they say, okay, this is not what I, I thought I was getting. I want control, and I wanted support, and I wanted – and so, so yeah, there's, there's that piece. And then there's also some tax benefits from, like, for example, when you, there's a saver's credit. If you make a certain amount of money, you can get actual credits on your tax return. There are ways for you to avoid paying UBIT tax if you're using the wrong retirement account, like an IRA for a real estate deal. You may end up saving 10, 20, 50, 100. We've had, we had one guy save $200,000 the year he set up an EQRP on taxes simply by shifting his, his assets from an IRA into his EQRP. 200,000 the first year. And that would have happened about every three or four years. It would have been two and then 300,000. That's the power of putting your stuff in the right the right retirement account and, and having the right advice. It's, it, you know, thousands you, that you spend that you invest to set something up are like nothing compared to the, the hammering you get if you have the wrong product. Okay. So those are uh, some great terms there. You mentioned UBIT. So if you could define that, and then maybe you can also talk about something that people often confuse with UBIT, which is the UDFI and tell us how the EQRP helps you with this. So UBIT is the unrelated business income tax. And, and basically this is a tax that yeah, that's in the code, in the tax code, and it's triggered by a couple of different things. One, if you invest tax-exempt vehicles like retirement accounts, IRAs, or, or 401ks, you invest those in businesses. And basically what the IRS is saying is, hey, if you've got a tax-exempt vehicle, we've got to find a way to level the playing field because 
this isn't really fair for some Joe Blow that's going to go start up a business. So it's a 37% tax on most of the profits. That's, that's one thing that applies to everybody. The one that really hits people with investing in real estate, and this is where IRA investors will get really hurt. The IRA investor goes invests in real estate. It has a bunch of debt, which is what we love about real estate. And then UBIT happens. UBIT is triggered by the UDFI that you mentioned. UDFI is unrelated debt financed income. So just imagine this, you, you invest in a project, whether you take on the debt or somebody else does in a syndication, an apartment or something, if there's debt involved, then part of the profit is from the debt. It's not all from the cash. And what the IRS says is, yeah, we don't really like the fact that you're making money off of something else. It's not just your money. So we're going to tax all the profits that are proportional. So if there's 70% debt, that's pretty common in deals, then 70% of your profits when you sell that property are going to be subject to this tax. And it's pretty much 37%. So as an example, you take 100,000 and double it over say five years, which happens a lot in real estate. You that If that was a 70% leverage deal, you're talking about 20 to $25,000 in taxes if an IRA was used. On the other side, if somebody had converted or started off with an EQRP, like you can convert an IRA while it's already invested into an EQRP, there's no tax because it's exempt. And people will say, well, how is that possible? And I say, because the, the pension plans and the developers, they had better lobbyists than the IRA custodians. And that's really all it is. It was just different lobbying. Okay, so I think at this point, uh, you mentioned many of the benefits and advantages. A lot of people might be wondering, well, now, how do I actually set one of these up and use it? So go through the mechanics. You have something I think you call in your book, the squirrel plan. Yeah, so the, the, the mechanics of it are, are fairly simple. The qu first question is, what do you actually want to use it for? And so if you say, well, I want to invest in stocks, then the fastest, easiest way is to go to Schwab or one of these places that offers a solo 401k. If you say, I want to do real estate, I want to do these alternatives, then the process is we set up an EQRP strategy call and we, we end up doing an application that takes about 10 minutes and then we build a plan and all the components and the bank accounts, everything is set up and it takes about 48 hours for everything, all the filings, federal, state, and, and the bank accounts to all be set up. And at that point, somebody... We, we walk through the process of actually being on the phone, being with them during the, the rollover process, which to, my understanding is we're the only company in the country that does this, where we sit on the phone for hours with the client and the other party, getting all those, all those dollars and assets unshackled from the other, whoever it is. And, and so that's the process. Once that's done, all the money and assets are in the person's control and, and everything changes because now nobody else is telling you what you can and can't do. Yeah, and that really is white glove treatment because I believe you also set up the tax ID too. We set up everything. It's it's turnkey. Yeah. I mean, all the, all the entities, all the, the tax IDs, the bank accounts. When you literally name it, everything is done. And there's there's no other. There's there's really two choices. Do you want to figure this out, or and this is this is where it comes down to. I can t say from experience that building fifty plus companies, it's all it's about the teams. It's never about you. And, and you want to have world-class teams. If you think you're going to be the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the attorney, the accountant, and everything else, then you're really screwing yourself. You're never going to grow because you don't have enough time to learn all these things. And quite frankly, you're never going to be as great as you could hire if you just went and found the right people to hire. And, and that's, that's the whole point, leveraging other people's expertise and then growing bigger together. Awesome. And so I think at one point you might have mentioned the honey badger. If not, let's bring it up now. So this is the, the badger tribe. Uh, some people may not know the story of the honey badger. So can you draw the colorful story? What exactly does the honey badger do? Well, the honey badger does whatever the hell it wants to do. The honey badger is the most fearless animal in the, on the planet. And if you want to watch one of the funniest videos, 
on YouTube or any, anywhere else on the internet, just watch the honey battery, honey badger video. I happen to like this, this animal just because it's funny. It makes me laugh every time I watch it. And it's because it's truly committed, relentless, fearless, and, and determined, decisive to do what it's going to do. That's who our people are, our tribe, our people, our crew, the, the team that's here. And, and the people that say, I want to be a part of this are the ones that are truly the honey badger. And so we, and, and in the book, we, I talked about the honey badger plan. And, and really, this is where you're growing. And the EQRP is, is the only one of its kind where you're able to grow and continue to have your EQRP in control as you have part-time, full-time people. And everybody gets to be a honey badger together. And it's really different when you're around people that are truly self-responsible honey badgers versus a bunch of uh, victim squirrels that are just by themselves. I mean, it's, it's a different world. And once you go there, you're never going to go back. All right. Awesome. So then uh, speaking about uh, entrepreneurs and, and such, why don't you give us uh, some entrepreneurial advice, like maybe uh, advice for your younger self? My younger self, I, I mean, it's funny because I'm bald right now. I'm not even gray. Well, I guess I'm gray. I'm like goatee. But I, I look back and I say, you know, self you, that are young, that thinks you know everything, make sure you keep that bald or grayer person around you that is giving you honest feedback. Make sure you're paying that person a very large amount of pain money. And, and why do you do that? Because you'll pay attention to things you pay for. And the other one is make sure you pay attention to your numbers, which means have somebody else do your numbers. Two mistakes that I made and two mistakes I see almost everybody make is one, they're, they're moving fast. They're trying to not die because they, like, I need to sell something. I need to find a deal. So they don't keep track of their money. So they don't really know what's going on. And the other one is, especially when people start making money and they get successful, they think, oh, I'm so smart, which I can tell you from experience is a great way to get melted down and crushed and smashed. I mean, I made, I made tens of millions of dollars, took $20 million, turned it into negative five in, in 12 months. So I know what it's like to feel like you're invincible and then realize that you're full of, you know, you look like Swiss cheese after you get shot down by the, the market. So that's, that's the, the big advice. Pay attention to your numbers and have somebody around you that you trust and respect enough that will give you feedback, not just tell you what you want to hear. Hey, why don't you send us out with your take on making mistakes? It, the mistakes are the only way that you grow. And, and there's really two things you can be doing. You can be growing or dying. And so what, what most of us are trained to do is to tiptoe safely to death's door, no mistakes, no, no blood, no bruises. And then we look back and we say, damn it, I, I, there were so many things in my life. And I learned that. That was a very personal experience for me to learn that lesson. Because when I was about seven years ago, I was, I was with my father before he passed away. And, and he had played a game where he wasn't really going out on the edge. Like he, he, I don't think he was even on the edge. I think he was just inside looking out the window. And instead of going on the edge, to, he, he just stayed back. And he said to me a few weeks before he died, he said, you know, there were so many things that I wanted to do. And he realized he didn't have any more time. And that's where most people are going. They're, they're moving towards a life of regret and not going for it. The only thing that you can trust is for sure when you go for it is you're going to stub things, you're going to bleed, you're going to, you're, going to, you're going to hear owl coming out of your mouth, and you're going to hear a lot of four-letter words. And that's part of the process. And that's part of the entire point of living is the growth. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. And, I, and that's, that's the whole gift in mistakes. And people think that they're somehow bad. No, what's bad is not making mistakes. What's bad is not losing money. That to me, that's idiotic. And you're, you're really giving up on yourselves. And you, you are going to have a moment at some point in your life where you look back and go, wow, I just really didn't go for it. And you're not going to be proud of it. I love it. So keep on growing entrepreneurs. Damien Lupo, I want to thank you uh, for joining us today. And I hope that you all found this content in, uh, informative and entertaining. Thank you. Thanks so much.